Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to another episode of Kelly and the Encouragers podcast. I am so excited to have you here with us today on today's show. I have a very dear friend of mine from high school. Actually, maybe, no, it was high school. I was going to say maybe even junior high. I have Matt Lewis on the show with me today. You know, I have to tell you, first of all, you'll hear us talk about this later. Matt and I were prom dates in high school. Um, We were friends. We hung out all the time. We just had so much fun together. But what I think is really fantastic and quite remarkable about Matt is his ability to be honest about his struggles throughout life and his determination to be able to process through those and really work through a lot of things that other people don't often have the strength to do. I am so honored to be Matt's friend, and I cannot wait for you to hear this message. Now to the show. Just kidding. Actually, (laughs) I wanted to take a quick moment and thank the sponsors of today's show, consultationandsupervision.com. If you are a therapist, mental health therapist of any kind, you're going to want to go check out the directory. It has so many options of ways to be able to connect with other professionals and you don't want to miss it. So head over there right now to consultationandsupervision.com. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. good. It's been a crazy week, but good. Has it been pretty busy? <laughs> it has. It has. It. Yeah. It tends to happen this time of year, I feel like, you know, right after the holidays and everything. Yeah. yeah. And this weather is here in Chicago. It's been crazy. Has so. it been bad? Yikes. It's just all over the place. You know, it's yesterday it was snowing all day. Today it's warm. Yeah. <laughs> You never know what you're going to get. Absolutely. I flew um, from Florida and we um, had our connecting flight in Chicago and we kept getting all these updates of like flights going to be delayed. We were delayed two hours, but we got out of here luckily. So, but it was like icy and it was, it was a little sketchy. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. It was a little sketchy. So, well, I am so happy that we're able to sit down today. Um, We were just talking about how long it had been um, since we last spoke and I I mean we like text you know periodically but I honestly think the last time we saw each other is it possible it's been like eight years it's been maybe 10 is that right (laughs) it has been quite a while that is like mind-blowing and I feel like we need to tell the listeners that we were prom dates and we had so much fun (laughs) yeah it was it was a lot of fun I will never forget like the drive home though with you like rolling down the windows (laughs) I fell asleep you rolled down the windows you like yelled loudly music was blared I was like what happened I definitely woke up thinking we were dying but (laughs) I definitely think about that all the time When I'm driving and I'm tired, I'm like, I just need to roll down the window like I did to Kelly. <laughs> yes, it totally helped. Seriously. I was like, okay, I'm awake. I'm alert. I'm here for it. I am here for it. So that is too funny. 
I love that. Well, I am just really thrilled to be able to have you here and introduce you to the listeners. Um, You know, I've had other friends that have been on, but you certainly are my friend that I have had for the longest. So we go way back. So we could tell everybody like multiple stories, but we won't make them listen to that. It seems like it's never quite as funny unless you were like involved with it. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if you ever tell someone a story. I tell my husband stories and he's like, that's not really that funny. (laughs) Maybe you had to be there. I don't know. So, so we won't do that to them, but, um, I'm wondering, can you share a little bit about, you know, your story and what we're here to talk about today? Yeah. Um, so I, I'll start with, um, I've been in Chicago now for, oh man, how long has it been? Nine, nine years I've been here, almost nine years. Um, and over those nine years, it's been there's been a lot of change and um, different directions that I've um, taken in my life. Some of them not the best directions, but uh, um, everything has you know brought me to where I am today, and I'm I'm really happy with where I am today. Uh, but over the past few years, I've gone through um, losing my mom to cancer. That was a big you know turning point for me as far as. Um, emotional uh, emotional awareness about myself and uh, and some self-awareness as well Um, I've been through you know my my first long-term relationship um, that ended last year about a year and a half ago Um, so that also kind of contributed to a lot of um, what got me to this point where I'm at so over the past, I would say six, five to six years, I've had um, issues with drinking and um, drinking to uh, deal with emotions that I didn't know how to deal with, um, drinking to fit in with different um, groups of people, to fit in um, in um, Chicago, once I moved here to make new friends, um, I feel like there are a lot of people with, um, you know, substance abuse issues have a similar type of um, reason for drinking. And it's a lot to do with, you know, the emotional, the um, fitting in to feel comfortable, uh, that kind of thing. So that was, that was definitely me. Uh, and just over the past, I would say two to three years, the um, drinking got to a point where, you know, my life was just becoming un- unmanageable and um, kind, of, kind of a mess. Um, so, you know, and I'll get into more detail once, once I talk more about my story, but uh, there was a certain point um in 2018 that I got to that I was just like okay this this is this is it I have to make a change for myself um and you know ultimately that affects the people around me as well um so I made that change and got myself to you know a different path that um I'm so grateful for today and um so happy that I was able to make that um, make that decision and, uh, kind of change where my life was going. Um, so that's kind of, that's kind of the background of, 
you know, where I'm coming from, um, a lot of uh, substance abuse issues, um, and then, you know, just finding a, a better path for myself. And, it, you know, it's not easy to, to do those things and um, make those decisions to uh, change, completely change your life. Because it, it does, it does completely change your life. And, you know, change is scary. And um, most people aren't comfortable with it. And it's been scary and uncomfortable. But, uh, um, but it's been really good. Yeah. Thank you so much for talking us through that. And, you know, first I just have to say your mom, man, she was, she was an incredible lady and that was quite a loss. And so, um, I think that that, that makes sense with grief and loss, you know, and trying to work through some of that and, um, you know, a relationship ending. I mean, that's huge as well. And that's just a lot to have happen in a short amount of time to try to navigate by all means. Yeah. It's, it's been a journey for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I'm definitely happy with, you know, how I can look at those things now. Yeah. You know what I think is so great? I mean, the listeners can't see you, but I can see you as you're talking through it. And, um, it's really neat to even see the change in you when you talk about like how your life is now, um, because you even like smile, I don't know if you notice that about yourself, but you even smile when you say that, like, you're just so happy to be where you're at. And that's just really cool to see that process. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't notice that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I am. It's very, I'm so grateful, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you got to this point where you just really knew you needed some help. Did you know where to turn to or how did you get connected with someone who could help you? So I've been going to therapy for um, this. My therapist said this month will be six years. Yes, six years with my therapist. So we have we're we're pretty close. I'm yeah. like, if I ever move, what am I going to do without her? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take but, her with you. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I've been seeing her pretty much weekly for the past um, six years, and there was a lot of stuff that I hid from her and I hid from a lot of people in my life. Um, but I think she could see through some of that um, just in our conversations. And, you know, she would, she would never tell me you need to do a certain thing um, because she knew I wouldn't do it if she told me to do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, she would give suggestions and, you know, she had suggested different, um, different ways of seeking help. So going to an outpatient um, uh, treatment program for substance abuse and, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And I'm, or going to um, 12 step program meetings. And I was very much like, no, like, what are you talking about? That's, you know, I'm not doing any of that. And uh, so we went up about that for, you know, several months and, um, so then when I actually did get to the point where I, I realized myself that I couldn't handle it. Um, she was a good, she was a good resource to kind of get me, um, to that point. Uh, so that was 
2018, I had been going through a lot. The relationship ended in the fall of um, 2018. Um, It got to be November of 2018. And I, you know, I was in and out of um, the hospital uh, three times that fall. And that was all related to um, drinking. And, you know, then the drinking would cause uh, suicidal thoughts. Um, So there were those three times that I had gone to the hospital. And um, so my family was very worried um, and my friends and my therapist and uh, my therapist actually suggested that I um, bring my family up to Chicago to do like a family therapy session with her just to kind of go over um, kind of where I'm at. at that point because my family was very concerned. Um, So we did actually get that scheduled. Uh, It was a very fast how everything happened that week. So um, I left for um, treatment at uh, on December 17th, um, 2018. And it was for a 30 day, you know, in inpatient treatment uh, facility. But so the week before that, <clears throat> I kind of had a breakdown and um, recorded this audio message to my therapist and sent it to her, you know, just kind of saying, like, I can't do this anymore. It's like, I, I don't know how to escape it. Like, I feel trapped, um, that kind of thing. And that was when she suggested bring my family in so brought them in and actually got them to come in on December 16th which was a Sunday but she she was like you know I will work on a Sunday if if that means like your family can be here and to get you the help that you need that's she's such an amazing therapist in person to you know be willing to do that for me Um, so another person I'm very grateful for um, we had that meeting with my, uh, with my family and it was kind of, I had already in my mind decided that I was going to treatment, but that was kind of like a, brought my family into it. So it was kind of a family decision at that point. Um, and I, um, I'm super lucky that I have such a supportive family and, um, such an understanding family uh and they were they were all for you know me doing going to this treatment program and uh, you know they were just very much you know whatever you need to make yourself better like we're there to um, help and support you so that was a really good feeling um and then it was the next day that i you know packed up my bags and uh made that journey um, to the treatment facility. So uh, so that's kind of that week of how progressed. So it was my therapist, I would say, that kind of initially put that um, thought into my head. Um, and then, you know, working with her and my family, that's kind of what got me um, 
the resources that I need, I guess, to, to make that actual step into getting myself into a program. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for talking us through that. You know, as, as I was listening to you, I just kept thinking like how scary that had to have been and how vulnerable to have your family join you for a therapy session. And then to the very next day, right? You said the very next day, go into treatment. Like that feels even just listening to it, like a pretty scary, big step. And so I wonder, yeah. like, did you, were you a little nervous about what your family might say? I mean, they are fantastically supportive, but were you still like, I don't know how this will go? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was nerve wracking. And I was actually, I was actually in the hospital on the 15th. It was, it was a whole like fast week of events that went down. So I was in the hospital on the 14th and 15th and I had family therapy on the 16th and I left for <laughs> treatment on the 17th yeah. so it was very fast but I was I was definitely I was definitely scared you know growing up I had this idea in my head that um and I think it was just in my head it was a narrative that I created and I've learned that now but uh, it was this narrative of you know, my family has to appear a certain way to the outside world. So by me um, having an issue and, you know, having to go to um, treatment, that's going to make my family look bad. That's how I felt. So I was scared about that. I was scared that they would be, you know, disappointed in me or upset with me because of the way it would make, you know, our family look. Um, So that was a big That was a big concern for me, definitely. You know, I think that's really interesting that you say that, though, because I feel like that's kind of a small town. Like, I'm not minimizing that, you know, this narrative that you made, but that's kind of a small town perspective, too. Like, I know that even, you know, for me, like, it's it's not it's kind of hard to explain unless you've grown up in that type of area that we did, I feel like. But it is almost this, like, pride and trying not to, like jeopardize the family name which even as I say that sounds like so ridiculous like how ridiculous is that but it does it does feel like there's some pressure like that the reality is I mean I tell my clients even today and I think of it back then it's like you know even if something were to happen and like suddenly everyone's talking about your family within like a day something else new happens and everyone moves on I mean like no one stays around and regardless of that like no one else's opinions matter like we have to do whatever we have to do in our own lives but I do think that that community that um I'm sure it's not just our small all small towns you know I'm sure it's a it's just like that that small town um perspective or culture almost yeah yeah no I, I definitely agree with that and you know that's that's definitely how I think that narrative in my head started was just coming from where we came from and being, you know, everyone knows everyone. So those types of stories get around quickly. So I think that kind of added to uh, my concern, I guess, um, as I was trying to make these decisions in my life. Yeah, I'm glad you pressed through that though. Do you know what I mean? Because you could have just been like, nope, I'm not even going down this path. But instead you were like, this feels really scary, but I'm still going to do it. Yeah. And I I didn't want to bring my family into it for a long time. You know, I kept things very secretive, which is a typical addict mentality is to, you know, keep things secret and um, not share 
and I did that for a long time. And, you know, like I said, it got to that point where I was like, all right, can't do this anymore. So then it's, it's, I had to share, I had to ask for help. I had to um, rely on other people, even just going to um, treatment for 30 days. Like, what am I going to do with my dog? (laughs) And, And, you know, my family was like, we'll take him. So my family actually had my dog for like two months because they kept him for a while after, um, after I was already out, um, to help me just get, you know, settled back in, um, to living in Chicago. And so, yeah, just that alone, I was like, I don't want to rely on someone else to take care of my dog, but you know, I had to, I had to just let it go and, you know, let other people help me. Absolutely. You know, and in the reality of things too, I mean, that was a two month time frame that you had to rely on other people, but now your quality of life, would you say it's worth it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the look on your face, I was like, I'm thinking that's going to be a yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I can't even, it's hard for me to put into words how much my life has changed and how, how much better my life is um today and it's crazy that it's happened in just just over a year i left treatment january 14th um 20 uh 2019 i'm like what year is it yeah same (laughs) i do that all the time um 2019 so i left january about a year or i left treatment sorry about a year and two weeks ago so you know, a week and a half ago. So yeah, not too long. And um, it's crazy how much has changed in that year, <laughs> you know? And to think about it, it's like how, I don't know, like how does something like that change so quickly? But, you know, if you put in, if you put in the work and you open up your mind to other possibilities in the world and not just, you know, that's a big thing for me is just, listening to other people and seeing what they have to say and not just thinking that, you know, what I think is the right way or the correct way or, you know, the best way it's, you know, taking what other people have to say and thinking like, okay, you know, maybe that's a possibility. Um, that, that is like a completely different way of thinking for me from a little over a year ago. So, um, very grateful for that. Calling all social workers, marriage and family therapists, psychologists, and counselors. Are you looking for a supervisor so you can reach your next licensure level? How about looking for a clinical consultant to work through cases, help you guide your business, or help you work through some of the tough stuff in private practice? So often we find ourselves searching for clinical supervision and coming to a dead end. Or finding ourselves with someone who can provide supervision hours, but isn't a great match for our niche and our style. Well, look no further. You can now go to consultationandsupervision.com and scroll through a directory of therapists providing both of these services. Here you will find a picture, a short bio, and contact information so you can find not just anyone, but the right one. It's totally free and will save you from spending time and money on a supervisor or consultation that just isn't the right match. So head over to consultationandsupervision.com and start searching today. 
Absolutely. You know, I've been guilty of that myself of thinking like my way is absolutely the best way. <laughs> but I do think that it is important to keep that open perspective and and to really be able to hear other people, especially when we're going through whatever new journey it is that we're going through. I mean, there are usually people that have gone before us and not that their way is always the way that we'll choose, but being able to have their support and like hear hear what their experience was and then decide for ourselves can be really beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I was one of those people, I talk to my therapist about this all the time. Um, because I am, I am part of a 12 step program that I, you know, I go to meetings regularly and I talk to her all the time. And I'm like, you know, a year and a half ago, or, you know, right before I went into treatment, I, never in a million years thought I would be a person going to these meetings. You know, I thought they were a little <laughs> like cult based, just when you're looking at it from the outside and you know, it's these groups of people that hang out all the time. You're like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I didn't, I just didn't know that much about it. And yeah. um, you know, my, my thoughts on it were that it was this religious program and I, I don't see myself as a religious person. I see myself as a spiritual person and the difference between those are, you know, for me, religion is more man-made, if that makes sense, where it's kind of the whole church and that kind of thing. And spiritual is more about, um, you know, what each individual believes and, what they see as their higher power um so that there is something greater than us but you know it's individualized rather than a group that you're put into um so that's what i see as like the difference and i'm like i'm not i'm not religious at all i'm not the person that goes to church every sunday and you know does communion and all this stuff i'm like how am i going to fit in with this program that is all religion based and you know once you actually get into it you realize it's like none of the things that you thought it was <laughs> which I feel like is kind of a story for a lot of things in our lives yes <laughs> we actually try it out we realize it's not what we thought it was um so that's been a really good experience and that that program helps me daily and the people the friends that I've made um are amazing you know and and those you know i would say that thank you so much for sharing that i really appreciate you truly just sharing your message and you know a, a side note about the people that you've met for those who haven't experienced you know addiction or don't know anyone who's gone through addiction i mean i think it's really important for us too to to really say how hard it is to be sober when you're dealing with an addiction. I mean, like, we just really need to give you praise and other people praise. I think that's really important to acknowledge. Like, that is a, a conscious step that you're making every single day. I mean, maybe for some people, even like maybe every moment. Yeah, yeah. it definitely is. Sometimes minute to minute. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's it's a day to day thing that you have to consciously wake up and and decide like okay today I am I'm still going to remain sober and I'm going to take these steps 
to keep that sobriety. So definitely a conscious effort every day. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'd love to go back to the meeting a little bit. It sounded like, and this is just my interpretation of it, but you were just kind of blown away or like shocked that your perception or what you thought what you thought it might be um is not what it is and I love that you mentioned that like that happens in life all the time because you're so right (laughs) I mean like (laughs) there are always things that we think like we know what we're getting into and we actually experience it and it's much different so I'm wondering is there anything about you know um, the 12-step program that you just like walked into and you were like what is this or I'm completely shocked that this is how it works um yeah, that's it's funny that you said this is how it works because that's one of our like lines. Oh, really? <laughs> I had no clue. <laughs> Check me out. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, one of the main things, I guess what I related to most when I first started going to meetings was, you know, the people in there, <laughs> they are these people that I never would have met Um in the life that I had before and just regular, I mean, even in my day-to-day life now, like going to work, that kind of thing, the the people that I meet in the meetings are not the type of people that I would just run into on the street on my way to work or um, uh, going to the store or whatever. It's people from all different walks of life. And, you know, it's everyone from homeless up to the rich person. And it just goes to show that addiction is um non-discriminatory like it it will it affects everyone it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or you know whatever your situation is it affects everyone and i think that was a big a big thing for me like a big realization like you know if i hadn't gone to this meeting or been in this program i wouldn't have met these other people that are so different from me yet at the same time so similar because we have we struggle with the same thing um you know their outward appearances are way different from me but the inside um our inside struggles are very similar in the fact of you know dealing with emotions and um trying to just stay sober and you know, the sherries that are, sorry, the stories that people share um, in these meetings are so relatable. And I think that is one of the biggest things that keeps people going to these meetings and staying in the program is um, the stories that are shared. You can relate so much to those stories, no matter who it is that is telling it. You're like, oh yeah, I've been through and a, a situation exactly like that. And I think that is probably the most important thing um, is finding other people that you relate to um, on that level that, uh, you know, my family can't relate to the whole addiction um, issue that I have. Like my family doesn't really drink at all. <laughs> and so it's like, it's a hard like they're very supportive, but there's still that part, like they can't, they don't understand fully what, you know, I'm going through. Um, So they're supportive to a certain extent, but then I have this other group of people that is very much aware of what I've gone through because they've gone through it themselves. Um, So that's probably the biggest thing that I learned in 
in going to the meetings is just that, you know, it's, you learn, you learn that there are other people just like you, yeah. <laughs> which is a really, a really comforting feeling when you know, like you realize you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people in addiction feel very alone. Uh, I know I did. And when you have other people that are just like you, you don't feel as alone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That solidarity, I think, is huge throughout so many different aspects of our life of just yeah. knowing that there is some connection there and some support. And, um, you know, I think, too, when we, you know, I was at this, it reminds me of this conference that I was at, and they had a list of things, and it was an all-women's conference, but there's a list of things. Like, I deal with anxiety, I deal with depression, I deal with, you know, all all these different things. I've been abused, you know, I've been raped, you know, everything. And for each of the things that you've dealt with, you put a check mark by it, and then we folded up the papers and we passed them to like, I mean, your paper went everywhere. So you had no clue who had your paper, but then they would read the question and people would stand up. So anybody who had marked that, and like the first one was like anxiety, and I'm not kidding you, 4,000 women stood and chairs like, you know, stadium chairs, when everyone stands up, they go like, you know, it was silent in there. And I was like, just shocked. But I heard so many people that weekend say, I never knew anyone else dealt with this, but me, I thought I was alone. And how much that changed. I mean, even my perspective of things that I've been through, like, wow, we're in this room of 4,000 people. And I don't know, 3000 of them have dealt with something that I have, like, not that you want other people to suffer by any means, but to know that you're not alone in that and for people to be brave and share their stories is huge. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. You know, I think that's kind of the purpose of this podcast too. I mean, I never really thought about it until now, but it really is just being able to tell other people like solidarity, like I see you, I hear you, I'm with you basically. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's one of the main reasons I, you know, I reached out to you to do this podcast is I, I would like to share my story and just in the hopes that, you know, someone else can, you know, maybe there's someone like me the way I was two years ago that I just felt alone and stuck in a cycle uh, that wasn't healthy. And, you know, all it took for me was realizing that there are other people (laughs) like, so, you know, maybe, you know, telling, telling your story will help someone else. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. And I believe that it definitely will. I often think even if someone can just take one small, one small thing from this, like, is it worth it? Even if it's just one person, it's like, absolutely. You can change one life. Like how cool one life, how cool. Um, and to think about you wanting to share your story more and more. I mean, that's just remarkable. And I can't wait to see what you do with that. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm, excited and you know scared a little bit but (laughs) just keep going (laughs) yes I love that you know a lot of times people pick like a word for for the year have you ever done that before I haven't, no. Really? Yeah. So um, I hadn't really either until this year. And I I have to be honest, and I don't mean to hurt anyone's feelings as listening, but I always thought that was kind of goofy. And I'm a pretty, like, 
I mean, I'm a pretty, like, I feel like I'm like a hippie, you know, I'm just kind of like go with the flow. I'm pretty out there, but for some reason I couldn't wrap my mind around it. And I think actually what it was, not that it actually is goofy, but that I was just struggling with the idea of like claiming a word. Cause I thought, well, shit, if you say it though, then what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> and so, um, I did this year and my word is actually uncomfortable. And that's really the goal is like those moments when you're scared, like keep going because uncomfortable leads to growth, which leads to like a life better than we have now you know and life's pretty good right but like we can always have a better life yeah definitely well you have to think yeah you have (laughs) to think on it and see if I mean you don't have to tell me if you decide to pick a word or not but (laughs) I just think it's kind of fun I mean I now that you said that like I kind of feel like I already know what my word is oh really oh my gosh (laughs) how cool Um, can I have like a hyphenated word Um. yeah absolutely (laughs) um I just like uh, a big thing for me is self-awareness. Yeah. Um, just self-awareness. And, you know, I think that when you said about like learning and growing, um, you know, uncomfortable, uncomfortableness makes you like grow and learn. And, you know, for me, that is self-awareness, you know, learning stuff about myself or realizing stuff about myself really does help me. Um, grow as a person so that is definitely super important to me and it's a daily that's also a daily um, thing that I have to consciously think about is um, what am I doing and what can I change to you know improve my life or improve um, the lives of the people around me yeah Absolutely. I love that. And how cool. We're just at the beginning of the year. By the end of the year, you should report back because I feel like it's going to be an awesome journey. That's really cool. Yes. You know, one thing before we, um, you know, I'd like to talk with you about how you maintain this lifestyle as well. Um, But Mm -hmm. one thing before we go there that I think we um, really need to hit on to, and you've mentioned it a few times, um, but I just want to make sure the listeners have picked up on this, is that when people deal with addiction, It's not like people are just like, you know, I really want to use this drug or I really want to drink or I like whatever it may be. There really typically is some type of a mental health concern underlying in a lot of times addiction becomes a coping skill. I mean, we all have different coping skills. Is that Milo? (laughs) That's all right. He just wants to join us. He must not like something outside, huh? Milo, sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay. One time... One time I had um, a, a dog that was was on basically on the podcast and it's like tail would whip and you would hear it every now and again. I don't know if anyone ever picked up on it, but I just roll with it. We've had people like mowing lawns. I mean, whatever. We just deal, you know, it's life, right? <laughs> so if my son was here, he would be screaming in the background right now. So <laughs> he'd want to be on here, but. But yeah, can you talk a little bit about your perspective of that as far as like that, um, that the mental health component and the addiction component? Yeah, yeah, I think that is a big thing. Um, And that's um, a lot of people, I believe, think that this is a choice, you know, like, I chose to go out and drink all the time. And Partially, I think that's true. Um, the, to some degree, there is a choice involved, but once you get to a certain point, um, the mental capacity, like your brain is just so used to having these substances that you 
physically aren't able to stop um, without the help of someone else or something else. And, you know, something that I learned um, when I came into, you know, the 12-step program is that it's actually not really about alcohol as much as people think it is. It's, uh, for me specifically, alcohol. <clears throat> but this goes for any substance. Um, it's not necessarily about that substance. It's about... Um, it's about the emotional, the underlying emotional and mental health issues that people have. And the substance is just a symptom. So it, for me, I have um, depression and anxiety. So those are my underlying um, mental health conditions that I deal with um, daily. And my symptom of that was just being drunk all the time because I didn't know how to handle the mental health aspect of it. Um, and I thought that, you know, the alcohol was the way to handle it. Um, so then once the alcohol started, it got to that point where my body just physically needed to have it all the time, um, just to be able to function. Um, so it, it, it is definitely based in, um, mental health. Um, and that's even the program that I follow is, um, based in, you know, mental health. And I thought like going to these meetings would be talking about alcohol all the time, but really we talk about mental health <laughs> and it, you know, like, what are you struggling with today? And, um, you know, what are you going through? What? you know, people have relationship issues all the time or issues with their family. And, um, you know, they're all, those things all impact your mental health. Um, and then people like me, I didn't know how to cope. Um, so I turned to alcohol because that was all I knew um, to just kind of numb the emotions rather than actually um, facing those emotions and dealing with them. Absolutely. You know, I can imagine going to meetings though and thinking like, yeah, we're going to talk about alcohol. And then the first couple of times be like, what? We haven't even barely <laughs> touched yeah. on that. So yeah. 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 It's definitely, it's, it is, it's strange. Like going what you think, you know, and then you go and it's so different. It, it just goes to show like you have to be open and <laughs> to other possibilities because you have an idea of how something might be and it's it can be completely different than what you have thought in your head yeah absolutely yeah that is so true for so many things in life so I love that you know one yeah. thing too um the therapist to me is like we should probably mention this you know addiction counselor that was a coworker of mine had mentioned one time that um so detoxing from so many things will make you feel like you're going to die, but they won't kill you. But one thing that actually can kill you is detoxing from alcohol. And so if anyone yeah. does choose to, to detox from that, then a recommendation definitely would be to like speak with your medical provider, you know, talk with, um, don't you think, you know, talk with like an outpatient clinic, whatever you need to do inpatient, whatever that may be, just because that can be so very dangerous. Yeah, <clears throat> no, it definitely can. And I, I'll share, I'll share just a little bit of my experience with that. Um, I, uh, the last time I went to the hospital before going into treatment, 
um, I was actually going through a lot of really bad withdrawal symptoms. And luckily I did know that that it can cause serious issues. Um, so I, you know, I did take myself to the hospital, but yeah, it was, it was at the point where I was hallucinating and, um, that is one of the major signs before you, you know, start to have seizures or different things like that. So it's definitely a possibility to, um, have serious and health impacts from detoxing from alcohol. So yeah, definitely agree to seek out, um, someone that can help you with that. If you're, uh, if you're thinking about it, if you're struggling with it, um, alcohol for sure takes a little bit of help in the detox. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that with us and talking us through your experience. That had to have been terrifying for you. It was, it was a little scary. And uh, luckily I had my, one of my good friends with me and, um, he went to the hospital with me. And, um, I just remember that, uh, you have to sign a paper when you get to the ER and I couldn't even sign the paper because I was shaking so bad. And so I just kind of scribbled on the paper. Um, but looking back on it, I'm like, that was a horrible moment in my life. But now I look at it as like a learning moment and a shareable moment because I know other people have had that moment. Um, so for me, that's important. Yeah. So, I love how you phrase that, like a learnable moment and a shareable moment. I love that. That definitely puts a different perspective on it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm going to remember that one. Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate that. So can you talk with us a little bit about how you do maintain, you know, a really positive lifestyle? You know, what is, what does that look like for you? Um, so one, one of the things that, uh, I don't know what I want to call it. One of the, I guess, phrases that we use um, in the 12-step program is uh, progress, not perfection. So that's a big thing for me because I tend to be a perfectionist where I want everything to be done a certain way. And, you know, over the past year, I've realized that's not possible to be perfect. So um, uh, doing having said that like one of the things i try to do every morning is when i wake up i read a little bit um whether it's and it's usually related to um the 12-step program and then another really huge part of my recovery is meditation and i i had never really done much meditation before um, sobriety. I'd done a little bit once, like a couple times, um, but I had never really done anything too serious. So then once coming into sobriety, I, I have started doing meditation often, and that is a huge thing for me. Um, anytime that I'm feeling anxious um, or depressed, uh, I can take, even if it's just five minutes and like, quiet time, close my eyes, turn off the other sounds around me, the music, the TV. Um, Milo's usually quiet enough for me to, <laughs> to, to do this five minutes of meditation and just sit there with my thoughts and just be um, very present with myself. Um, 
And then a lot of times I go over when I'm in that meditation, I go over my uh, grateful list. So I have a daily gratitude list that I, that I uh, go over and it changes daily. You know, a lot of times it's the same, same general things that are on that list, but um, it can change from day to day, just depending on what I'm going through that day. But um, it's, it helps me to keep perspective um, on things. So even when life is, you know, maybe I'm having a rough day, I can just stop and think about my gratitude list. And it's like, wow, I have so much to be grateful for. And, you know, that turns, that can turn my day around. Um, and, you know, also when I do my meditation is um, talking to my higher power, which I kind of touched on a little earlier. Um, for me, my higher power, higher power is, you know, a spiritual being that, um, you know, kind of, it's, it's bigger than me. Um, and I do have, you know, specific terms that I use when making contact with my higher power. Um, I, I pray regularly. I, um, you know, I like to just have open communication and that communication can come in a lot of different forms from, uh, meditation, um, praying, uh, it can be just helping someone else on the street. Like maybe there's someone that is lost and needs direction. You know, I take that as a sign from my higher power that, you know, it's, I need to reach out and help someone else. Um, and that's, you know, that's a huge thing too, is just helping other people, um, whenever I can. I think that whole, um, uh, humanity uh, relationship is is really important to uh, staying sober as well. Yeah. Uh, thank you for talking us through that. You know, um, when you were talking about the meditation, I um, I've tried to meditate in the past, and I should give it a shot again. I'll be a hundred percent honest. It's pretty tough <laughs> for me to like quiet my mind, but it just sounds really glorious to be able to spend like five minutes and get kind of like a reset on, on your emotions and, you know, where you're at and being able to have that gratitude list. I mean, I'm a huge believer in the fact that when we start looking around and like really thinking like, what are we grateful for? You know, it can be super simple things. Like for me, it's always good water. I know that sounds so silly, but like, I hate certain like taste of water. You know, I'm a little bit of a water snob, I would say, but the fact that we even have clean water is something to celebrate because a lot of people don't, you know? And so when you think about things like that, I mean, obviously the big things, but the little things too, that really does change perspective. Yeah, definitely. And, and the whole, I've, I've heard a lot of people talk about meditation and say similar things. Like they're not able to just, you know, sit down and like put everything out. It, it is really hard to just kind of quiet your mind. Um, the way I started doing it, just maybe a tip for anyone else yeah. that wants to try it, is the way I started doing it um, was following YouTube videos of guided meditation. Um, I think that really helps because you're actually listening to someone tell you like what to do. Yeah. Um, 
And then from there, you know, I started doing it on my own without the guide. But that was, I think, is a really good starting point for people that, you know, want to give meditation a try. Yeah. Yes, that's a fantastic idea. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate yeah. that. So um, I'm sure other people are um, going to feel this, not everyone, but some people might feel the same way um, that I yeah. feel about that. And so being able to have a guide of like, you know, just having someone talk you through it, I think um, makes a lot of sense. So that's fantastic. That's really great. Yeah. So as we're starting to wrap up here, I'm wondering if you can share a little bit about you know, who are your biggest encouragers and your biggest supporters? It can be through this journey or really just life in general. Um, yeah. So there, I feel like I have so many. Yeah. That's that's a great place (laughs) Uh, to be. Yeah. Um, I would say my biggest encourager, um, is my higher power and just having, um, you know, I have faith that everything is going to work out. You know, I didn't, I didn't have that before sobriety. And now I have a very different mentality about, um, you know, things aren't always in my control and that's all right. Um, I have this, this higher power, um, spirituality that kind of guides me from day to day. Um, so that's, that's big for me as far as like, actual people (laughs) um there are you know i have my sponsor who is a very important part of my life you know i can i see him all the time and um i can talk to him about anything and um that's super important to me and i know i know what he has to say is is very um very relatable for me because he's been through uh, you know, the similar, similar things that I have been through. And, um, so I can take that information that he gives me and it's like, um, it's coming from a reliable source, (laughs) you know? And, um, another person would be my, um, my therapist. And there are even it, I don't know how to, how to word this, but it like boggles my mind that, even today there are people that um, see some people see therapy as a weakness or, you know, having to reach out for help. And I'm, I go under the philosophy that everybody should go to therapy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No matter what. And um, because it's just so great to have that person that you can share absolutely anything with. And they are not um, part of your day-to-day. I mean, they are, but they aren't. Like, yeah. they're part of your day-to-day life because they hear everything, but they're not in your, like, group of family or friends or, you know, coworkers or anything like that. So it's kind of like a third-person um, perspective that you don't get with um, family and friends and coworkers. Um, so, yeah, definitely therapist and sponsor are some of my biggest encouragers um, today and without them um, I mean there are very there are so many more that are are encouragers in my life but um, those two are definitely definitely up there and they um, they keep me accountable you know and I think that's a big thing for me is there are people that 
rely on me and I want to, I want to be there for them. Um, you know, my therapist expects to see me every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Yes. <laughs> and, and I'm there and I want to be there. And it, it wasn't always like that. I would, yeah. you know, I would skip sessions and just because I was not in a good place. And, you know, now it's like, I want to, I want to be part of, um, part of that. And the same with my sponsor is, you know, he, he may be going to a meeting and he asked me if I want to go and, you know, it's totally up to me, but it's like, I, I want to be there. I want to see him. I want to interact with the other people, um, in the meeting, um, and just be part of that community. So those, those two people definitely encourage me, um, day to day. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Having that support network is just huge, just huge. I'm glad that you found them. Yeah, definitely support system is essential, I think. Um, and a lot of a lot of people struggle with that, I think. And, you know, I, I did struggle with it. And I'm extremely lucky that I've gotten to a place where I do have a good support system. And I, I think the main thing is I realize I have a good report uh, support system. Um, I think before I always had my family there, but I didn't fully realize um, how supportive they were. So yeah, it takes realizing, you know, who's around you and, um, who has actually been there, you know, family is family in my case has always been there and, um, super grateful for that. Absolutely. I love that. And I love that you mentioned that, um, you're supportive of everyone having therapy, um, uh, because I'm a believer <laughs> that even therapists need therapists. Like it's yeah. just, you know, being able to have a non-judgmental environment where you really can talk about anything that you want, I think is, um, pretty unique actually in, in the world that we yeah. live in. And so, um, I also was thinking when you said you were her 8 a.m. on Monday, I'm like, oh yeah, you guys must have a good rapport because if she's willing to see you at 8 a.m. on a Monday, I mean, <laughs> You guys must have a really good rapport. That's awesome. That's really good. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any other thoughts before we end here for the listeners? Um, I would say um, just if you are someone that struggles with um, addiction, substance abuse, anything like that, um, to, to reach out. I know it's really hard to reach out. Um, it was hard for me and um so it takes a certain level of um braveness to uh to do that and to go against um what you might think is more comfortable but in the long run um what i found is you know doing taking that step and reaching out for help has improved my life so much i can't even um, put it all into words. Um, so if you are struggling, you know, find, find that person that you can trust, um, that you can reach out to and ask for some help. It's not a bad thing to ask for help. It's not a weakness. I found over the past year that, um, it's actually a very strong thing to do to reach out and ask for help because not many people, feel that they can do that and um, it takes a lot of strength to actually reach out and ask for help so that would that would be my only final comment is you know 
if you are struggling, there are, there are options. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. And truly, Matt, thanks for being on the show. And I am just like so honored to be your friend and to be able to see this progress and process, you know, and for you being willing to share so openly and honestly with the listeners, I know it's going to change lives. That I so appreciate that. And um, it's very humbling. Um, I, yeah, I just want to get out there and share my story. So I hope that even just one person can take a little grain of whatever I've said and that, you know, helps them find what they're looking for. Yeah. And absolutely will. Thanks so much. Yes. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for listening to Kelly and the encouragers podcast. For all things related to this episode, please go to www.kellysisson.com backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. See you next week for another episode.